This is the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Podcast series. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital. Yeah. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? 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 Thank you, A.V., for our major news. Of course, we've got a news brief coming up at 8 o'clock, and that's all good. It's the Champlain Auto Services, all right? Let's take a look at what's happening traffic-wise, and I'll let you know what's happening in Port of Spain. Usual streets out in San Fernando. You've got some traffic there this morning. Uh, going to South Oropooch, and the creek is pretty tricky. Usual spots in San Fernando. Heading San Fernando northbound towards Harmony Hall. It is slow going. The way you're going to mash your brake on that road that's pretty heavy right now, Rivulet Road, Hoover, straight up to Churchill Roosevelt Highway. Taking the southern main road to Carney, Chocker Block as well. All right, and usual street on Beendol, there's an accident. Uh, it's a minor accident westbound by Trin City Lights. All right, Golden Grove Road, Trin City Road, uh, Central Road, McCoy Road, all that. Eastern Main Road, Chocker Block as well. Lower Santa Cruz going up Lady Young Road towards the lookout. You've got it. The entire uh, saddle from Mocha straight down Digo Martin as well. Usual spot. But just to remember, just reminder. Let me just pull it up here for you. I had it here a second ago, and I know I lost it, but I know Ruben had uh, sent it again. And here it is. Vehicular traffic. Yep. And this is the. Opening of Parliament, the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago. Most of the streets will be no parking. And some streets, there'll be no, you cannot traverse between 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. St. Vincent Street between Duke and Queen, Hart Street, uh, Abercrombie Street, which is a major artery, between Independence Square and Park Street, Knox Street, Sackville Street, St. Vincent Street, taxi stands are being moved. So, all right, if you park there, you'll be impounded. All right, that's the opening of the parliament. You see, they did some patchwork. All right, uh, at 18 minutes after the hour is 7 o'clock, let's get the results of our morning poll, Rich Rich, before we bring our guest online. Our poll this morning was whether you felt the Minister of Health um, would have experienced um, a different treatment to ordinary citizens in his recent stay at a public hospital. Um, so we had 25 people voting on the poll this morning, and of the 25 people that were voting on the poll, 24 of you said yes. You do believe that he would have gotten treatment that would have been different to what ordinary citizens received. One person said no. So, hmm. of course, 24, 25 people voting, 24 of you saying yes, one person saying no. And, of course, you can continue to vote on this poll throughout the day, through all programming, and we'll give you the final result tomorrow morning. All right. Thank you, Richie Rich. Um, of course, good morning to all those that are joining us on YouTube. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us on our YouTube channel. Make sure and hit that little bell for notifications so when we come on, 
Um, you can join us and you could watch us when you thought ugly people like Paul and Richard, you know, had a safe job on radio. No, no, no. No, no. No, no, no. That's a show in Winchester there for you. All right. Let's bring our guest online. He woke up very early this morning. Let's say good morning to Mr. Rajiv Dipti, president of the Supermarket Association and also chairman of the get give me get terminology right there rajiv good morning steve good morning richard good morning to the team and it's the caribbean supermarket association that was recently inaugurated and um yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you very much and it's a pleasure as always to join this recording in progress thank you dorothy on this call all right you're like a co-host i tell you that's a nickname now Co-host. Change that from Rajiv Dipti to co-host. Morning, Rajiv. Yeah, morning. Um, well, tell us a little bit about the Caribbean um, Supermarket Association because when I saw the media um, our article concerning it, it was about also referencing food security in the region. Um, that came up as part of the article. Um, so I don't know if you can better contextualize it for us. Sure, Steve. Good morning to all your guests and all your all your listeners and everyone out there, Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, the Caribbean Supermarket Association is not something new in that it was always being discussed in terms of a regional entity. However, in 2022, the narrative has been firmly centered around food security. We've had COVID. We've had this war in Ukraine. We've had certain exigencies. We've just seen another state lockdown in China. And certainly we've just had that recently concluded investment forum at Napa and the Agri-Expo that followed. So, and we would have heard a lot of CARICOM leaders talk about food security. Now we would have seen our own prime minister visit Guyana uh, a couple of months earlier and that a memorandum of understanding was signed there. And this really got us thinking in the the retail private sector that if it is that there's a serious appetite by CARICOM leaders to literally go to, let's just use Guyana as the example, go over there and plant the land, then we're going to be needing to find market for the production that's going to be taking place over there. And this really got us thinking in terms of how do we get involved in the value chain activities? That is not just the production, but the processing, the packaging, the standardization, and getting that involved in the campaign to really heighten consumer awareness. Because 90% of what you still see on the shelves, um, Steve and Richard and co, is that it's still 90% imported. And we all know the narrative, we're importing the inflation right now in Trinidad and Tobago. And this is our signal to say that we're really serious about getting involved in food security. What you see is an interim um, team being installed. The idea is to get missions out to uh, some of the various islands and get deeply involved with our CARICOM brothers and sisters so that they now can guide us and lead us uh, towards this, this narrative because every every country has its own culture, its own um, you know tensions, its own um, challenges and that's something that we've spoken to some of our colleagues in Barbados and Guyana about and you know we're, we're trying to tread 
treat carefully with the situation we've seen in Barbados, for example, that they're now heading into an IMF program and that we're being very careful here in Trinidad and Tobago with how we're going. Uh, so so it's it's very much tiptoeing right now, Steve. So that's, that's the intention of this association is to add value to whatever comes out of the CARICOM decisions with regard to, and you gave the example of Ghana. But you know, CARICOM has talked about this before, not meaning to burst your bubble and the Caribbean Supermarkets Association, but this issue of Ghana being the food basket of the Caribbean and, and where a lot of the food would be grown to for food security of the region is not new. And I think you're absolutely so what, correct. What makes it different this time around for you? I think you're absolutely correct, Richard. I think what places the urgency and exigency in this situation is that for, at least for me, for the first time in a long time, we've seen um, something like a small CARICOM summit happening here about three weeks ago. And you would, I would have listened very carefully to our prime minister, to the leaders within the islands, Miyamotli, Irfan Ali, and they would have all, um, you know, talked very strongly about this. Now, what, what has to follow is, as, as you so correctly and rightly put, is that these leaders now need to get serious. Is it that Guyana, for example, using Guyana again, is it that they're going to give us land tenure? Is it that they're going to give leases um, that are comfortable for the private sector? Because a certain amount of capital expenditure needs to take place to get the infrastructure correct there. You're going to need to build drainage, access roads. Um, you, you're going to have to spend a lot of money before you can even start the production. So that there's going to be uh, the need to put things in place. And it really redounds to the appetite. I think within Trinidad and Tobago too, there's a lot that could be done here. And I think some of that, um, you know, is is what they're looking at also. I think we'll hear more about it maybe in the budget. Um, that's a big question mark, but certainly agriculture is high right now on the CARICOM agenda. So is it is it going to be talk? Because at the end of the day, this is an association that's there to augment the efforts of CARICOM. And, and, and really and truly, it's if we as a people are serious about that. It's clearly a good idea for, for Caribbean territories to get together to talk about food security. What kinds of conversations are there within the association in terms of the individual islands, agricultural yeah. trusts? Because so, one of the things that may come up is the issue of why are we going pan-regional in terms of championing agricultural produce and value chain exploration. Local farmers, let's say Trinidad and Tobago, have so many challenges, and some may be, but this may not be in keeping with championing their own courses and getting their issues resolved. How are we reconciling those two issues? Excellent question. So, you know, what's going to happen is a couple of things. You're going to have to look firstly at what is it that we're going to get into production? Um, I don't think we'll ever get out of the business of importing foods. I think that it's in a very sensitive place right now, but not just for us, but for the world, where the inflation is happening. We've seen hyperinflation taking place in the United States and the United Kingdom. And, uh, you know, their, their inflation, I think, is a little bit overstated than ours was. And um, I think where you consider what the opportunities are, where the focus has to be. We consider the staples, for example, you look, for me, if you can, if you could focus 
that laser beam focus on things like wheat production, uh, corn production, and, and those key inputs of production. Because remember, even where manufacturing takes place in this country, we still import in all the inputs of production. So that's a really good place to start because you could now cut back on the cost of shipping, especially if you could make the ferry arrangements. Um, you could cut back on a, on a number of things. And, and that goes hand in hand for cereals, especially because we, we consume nearly a billion dollars worth of that annually. Um, so but our local farmers part of the conversation because I, I was the story speaks here. Yeah, I was getting to that. So, so you know, when we consider Guyana and we consider the local question mark of what our producers are doing, I think what we're really looking at is the economies of scale situation because that's that's really uh, the challenges that our farmers face. Our farmers face different challenges. There's the there's the the, the capital expenditure aspect of how much seed capital our farmers can put into the ground. Remember that our farmers are such a vulnerable class of workers that they are a paycheck to paycheck industry in terms of uh, we'll have guys coming to buy their, their produce, um, selling it onto wholesalers and then those wholesalers get to the farmers markets. And then the guys like us in the supermarkets then meet up with the guys at, at the farmers markets to get it onto our shelves. So certainly there's the there's there's the limitation of capital because we've seen that some of the really amazing projects that um for example our prime minister reference uh they have a certain level of investment taking place to really get that um first wheel aspect uh where the cutting edge is consumed right now farming has really gone up to another level in terms of and that's great but i could imagine myself a local farmer having challenges of land tenure having challenges of pretty lastly having challenges of uh ever increasing imports competing sometimes with local products that are grown right here and hearing about a regional championing of food security and my own issues have not been taken care of but but the the state is looking at partnering with other jurisdictions for production and for import etc how should I, as a local farmer, feel about that? I would feel incredibly overlooked. I would feel incredibly, and, I, and I, you know, Lantania and Pretty Alas, you know, two of the biggest things I've been talking about because we have this serious issue of land grabbing right now. And I was in a meeting with farmers. There was a committee meeting assembled by the Minister of Agriculture, Public Sector, Multi-Advisory Committee meeting. And the farmers came up with a slogan. They said that they want to arm the farmers because they're, they're being threatened there, it's not just land grabbing, it's it's the thieving, the pillifrage, and, 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 and when they get hit once or twice, they can't recover because they just don't have the money to get out of it. And they're stuck in a vicious cycle. And they and, and it's not that they, they, they even know how to get out of that life. They know nothing else because it's such an acute profession that they grew up in. And it's, it's something that I feel, as I've always been saying, we need to focus on the basics. The basics is take care of our farmers, and we do that by ensuring that the units that can take care of them, uh, be it the pretty last in the unit, which is which has challenges. I understand it's severely on demand. Uh, those units need to, to to be more active, and there needs to be harsher penalties and more protection for our farmers, as well as more capital available to them from that perspective. So I I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Is there a are there timelines in the discussions as yet uh, in terms of 
how or a framework of operation in terms of of how this will proceed and and, and how the region can start to benefit from this because as you said uh, in terms of the in context food security yeah, I, I, I totally dire. you know with i, I want i want to remind everyone that this is an ngo it's a private sector effort now private sector efforts only go as far as government efforts to underscore the appetite for this situation if i go to guyana tomorrow and their minister says there's going to be x challenges that's going to take six months or longer uh it's going to it's going to dampen the appetite and bring down expectations and it's something that we we now have to measure whether whether we're serious as a region with this now we've heard that they're serious this is this is us saying well we're ready to be serious if you're serious uh with, with regards to the management and how we go about doing this. We've put in place a very small interim team. Um, I've assembled um, the um, a, a very good team behind me. I have Mrs. Nirmala Debbie Singh from who's the CEO of Namdevco. So we're playing right now in the backyard of farmers and local production. Um, Professor Marla Knights from the University of Trinidad Tobago. Uh, you know, we, we've got some real academics on board. We've got some real doers on board. And the truth is that it's it, we, we want to recruit Caribbean people because this is a truly regional entity. Yes, it's born in Trinidad, but I want to hand it back to the Caribbean because I really want them to see what the value is in this. Yeah. The issue of inflation, and you say we're importing inflation because of our food import um, bill, etc., and I know anybody who's gone to the supermarkets across Trinidad and Tobago recently feel like prices are constantly going up. Is there any reprieve in the not-too-distant future in terms of prices stabilizing and not continuing to rise? Well, Richard, I think it's, I think it's a great question because we've all suffered from sticker shock, you know, going to the grocery and seeing the sticker on the shelf. Um, you know, with the price going up, it's been it's been crazy. And for me as a customer and a consumer too, um, and even someone who you know buys food uh, and and uh, and I bulk at the prices. And the truth is that it's not just Trinidad and Tobago; it's the entire world. We've seen this. You know, um, we like like I said, we've seen Barbados head to the IMF over this level of inflation. And for me. I think that what's going to take place, because none of us expected the war in Ukraine to drag out this long. In fact, it's still going on. And I think that where we've seen, for example, we depended on Russia and Ukraine uh, for as a breadbasket of Europe for 30% of the world's grain. We've seen other countries now come into their fore to really replace the production cycles. Now, that was always going to take a little time, but they've gotten into the production of staples. And I think that by next year, and, I, I, and I, I'm, I'm going to tentatively say first quarter, second quarter, that there's going to, we've already seen softening of prices, green prices on the commodities market. So definitely it's coming down. There's alternative supply coming onto the market. We've also seen some signs that um, some of these export bans can be lifted because we've seen a lot of countries around the world, the biggest example is India. Um, lift their export bans and we're going to hope that China stabilizes because as I mentioned earlier st another state went into lockdown so all these different uh, things they play into the cost of shipping they play into freight they play into demand and supply 
because we've had constrained supply, increased prices, and higher shipping costs. And that's really been the narrative of 2022. So we're, we're hoping to see a, a big softening of that as alternatives come onto the markets in 2023. Because I know that's going to be a concern for consumers. Every time they enter a supermarket, they're like, well, what am I going to face today? And, it, and it's you... a real tough challenge for the consumers, especially as, you know, public servants are still, um, are, you know, they're still angling for that that, that um, back pay and, and the, the salaries and wages increases. We have a population that's been facing a lot of challenges, not just with food, I might add, with fuel. Um, and, you know, we hear about different increases in the cost of living and i think everyone's going to have an eye on the budget because there's a lot of expectations particularly where the management of the population and social safety nets uh, i think for different sectors of the community like the business community you're gonna you're gonna see them looking at what's going to be done about crime because we haven't really gotten too much into crime richard but crime right now is one of the biggest problems facing the business community it's in the top three costs of operations we're seeing we're seeing criminals out there with automatic rifles and the sector feels very uh, alarmed because they haven't been allowed to access their handgun via firearm users licenses so this 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 there's a lot of expectation especially with crime coming into the narrative um, for the budget 2022 how is the association uh pursuing issues related to well yep this is super caribbean supermarkets association so we spoke a lot about farming but of course there's some conglomerates in trying to be good at who up the islands but but individual islands and individual territories all have also supermarkets in i'm presuming with some common issues uh logistics uh, processes that have been impacted them individually and certainly as a region we will be able to discuss possible regional solutions uh, sorry richard i, I try um the question the, the question is is the association also pursuing solutions that individual supermarket chains or operators in the region may face as common issues when when facing a global market of supply and demand logistics etc well you know i think the i think the anticipation and let me point out that the membership of the caribbean supermarket association is tiered in a way to recognize the value chain so for example category one you have retailers category two you have distributors category three you have farmers agro processors so I, what i'm trying to get into is that we've really backed into the value chain to, to try to work with them. And I, I for me, this project was always all about food security from a regional basis, because I think I've been here on this show saying that Trinidad and Tobago needs to work with its neighbors to feed itself. And, and some of these islands have competitive advantages. Some of them have different strengths and weaknesses. And I think it's how we, we tie and marry these strengths together to get the best out of the region. But the region needs the one for itself, the best for itself. With respect to, uh, you, you know, the thing about it is, it's. I, I, I'm sorry to say it again. It's such a global situation from how this is unfolding that we're seeing other islands take more price increases, and unfortunately, it costs more for their citizens than it does for Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago, for me, is still a little bit better off than some of our neighbors. 
and sure there are common issues but i think i think the major common issues are we have uh, <clears throat> a supply that's been constricted we have prices that have just been going up for because of the shipping costs because of the war in ukraine because of different factors including climate change and and fires and droughts and and, and it's and i think every single island is looking now to how it can get the best out of what they have because everyone has other problems including limited foreign exchange as well and and that's always been an issue we've just uh from what i took away from spotlight on economy which was i think a friday or two ago they said that they're going to maintain the the, the um the for the the exchange rate because it's just more competitive right now and i i mean i can't disagree with that because it would add inflationary pressure to our public and that's something on top of all the inflation are they experiencing i don't think anyone can handle right now how's the last quarter been for the supermarkets association of trinidad and tobago um in terms of what your membership is telling you of well we were very much so we would have come out of this kind of lockdown well sorry the the covid regulations that would have limited crowds and we were and, and and that kind of thing especially the no mask policy that went out the window a while back so i i think that the numbers are really getting back to pre-covid and especially when we see the appetite by john public for these uh, party type interactions we're certainly seeing full crowds uh, i think especially from um our point of view, COVID is still something that we're managing and we're reminding the public about. Uh, but we're seeing a public that's really more engaged. But what I'm seeing in particular with, with the shopping public is that we have a very deal-oriented consumer. consumer. And, and what I mean by that is that we have lots of stores that run lots of specials, lots of month-end promotions, lots of um, banded good giveaways, lots of those kinds of promotions and we're seeing we're seeing today's consumer chasing those products and chasing those deals and when those deals come up uh so so we have a a, a consumer that's more looking to get the most out of their disposable income and looking to stretch their dollar right now and that's the kind of trends that we've seen from the from the shopping public mm. two questions around um ravi did he the the issue of our own local production and farming and and i know that there is a new company called berry cove in tobago that's going to be doing berries like strawberries etc etc and so that we won't have to be importing those um and i think they're pretty far gone in terms of the development of their farming infrastructure in tobago um i think it's part of the answer Macal group i'm not sure yeah, so um, I, I could deal very quickly with that question for you, Richard. Very cool for me. I, I've known about the initiative for a while. Uh, it's I, I think it's a company run by uh, Alchemy Renewables in conjunction with Ansa Macau. And what I really like, they're a very good example of what I'm what I was talking about when it requires a certain level of investment and seed capital, because certainly Ansa Macau can bring that to the table and. What we've seen there is that they're going to be they, they've they've gone heavily into production with vertical farming and greenhouse farming and it's very automated and they're producing the entire family of berries 
strawberries, um, raspberries. Uh, you could get into 10 or more different iterations of these names. And what they're doing is that they're looking to get into the import substitution space where they're taking away right now from those imported berries you see in the supermarket. And they also want to double up as a foreign exchange owner. So they're going to be cutting back on the food import bill, but they also want to earn Forex by exporting this uh, because they're focused, their, their production is a lot more scale than average production. And they're going to be exporting that to the islands, maybe to South um, Latin America and South America. So it's it's a very good initiative. It's something that started a couple of years back and it's taken a few production cycles to really get into, Richard. Yeah. So I was just using as an example of innovation coming into the, the into the space to improve the farming output of Trinidad and Tobago. And I know there are other huge farmers um, who, who would also be experimenting with technology in terms of increasing output. Um, so um, how much of a future there is for that in impacting on our own um, food import bill from a local perspective, one. And two, in terms of the budget, which is to be read, I believe, next week, Friday, I think it is, the 26th, um, what Monday? Is it Monday, Monday the 26th? Yeah. Is it Monday? Yeah. Yeah. Monday. So it's Monday, yes. Okay, well, the 26th, Monday or wherever it is. Um, what are the expectations in terms of the business sector? I heard you talk about crime, but in terms of the kinds of challenges that the business sector is facing now, what specific um recommendations would they have made to the Ministry of Finance, if you know, as as, a, as belonging to one or two of the various chambers? Um, yeah, yeah. So what, so, you what know, would be the, the things they're looking for? So, you know, traditionally, Richard, um, I, I think you hear some of the biggest chambers in the island talk about back refunds all the time because that's always an issue that's on the table. But it's unavoidable to talk about crime as one of the biggest issues right now. We're, we're getting hit so hard in the business community. And I didn't just say the supermarket business because we're getting hit hard there too. There are organized crimes where pilferage is concerned. But the entire, every time I talk to someone, I, I, I just, I, when I got up this morning, I woke up to a video on my phone, a shootout at a, a premises in Claxton Bay. And, and, and it's, it's that kind of thing I'm hearing about. I'm hearing about home invasions. I'm hearing about um, armed and violent crime. I'm hearing about the pilferage. And, and it's something that, uh, the business community. I said, listen, we want to, we want, we want to see FULs back on the table. We want to see um, incentivization for the cost of security right now because it's it's nearly prohibitive. Um, it, it, there's there's a lot of concern where that is concerned, um, I, I, and that, and that's some of the things that that they're focusing on. I think they want to see what the capital expenditure projects that the state has planned because one of the reasons I say that, guys is that when there are when there are major projects ongoing by the state and then you know we get the low, we, we get our population involved notice i didn't say anyone else from outside we get our guys employment that's how we get the money down into the pockets of the people in the communities and then those guys can stimulate the micro communities to come out and spend the money for the community to thrive and 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 that is how we see things um we also want to see issues that um, sorted out at the at the port uh, with customs. There's, I mean, I, I think there was a big story on that recently, and all the challenges were laid out. Um, and I, I think um, that 
it's it's the expectations where you see that we had this recently concluded seminar spotlight on economy that they're talking about fuel prices they're talking about potential increases in rates and utilities these are also things that are going to add inflation back to the population aside from food and obviously that there's concerns about that is it the right time for those kinds of things however when we look at Barbados and the IMF, we're also like, okay, so may, may, maybe the Minister of Finance has done a great job in keeping the um, the level of of um, the the capital the, the the debt ratio down. But is it something that that we feel the population can handle right now? It's just going to be more challenging. So I think we're all holding our breaths uh, collectively when the budget is to be read to see if there's going to be adjustments because I think we would have heard that the cap on fuel that they're willing to give is a billion dollars or not two billion dollars or two and a half billion dollars so so there's all these questions and comments coming back from the business community right now richard i was going to ask about that and what how concerned are operators about that given the fact that the inflationary impact is already high and if there's going to be, well, the, the finance minister during the spotlight presentations clearly signaled, and the prime minister clearly signaled government's position on this fuel subsidy issue and the limitations that exist given what the resources are in the country, which to me was a clear signal that, well, it's not going to be business as usual, even under the present subsidy conditions. And once that subsidy even shifts a little. Yeah lower yeah. there are implications for transportation costs of course and cost of goods and services moving forward and, and that will have a big impact like let's just say um supermarket business but i mean for suppliers and distributors your hat goes your them goes your arawak your hana and all your kiss bacon bread um truck how the, are those guys now going to say well we now need to build this into our bottom line because the because transport just went up and you, you know the population is going to feel the same way because everyone's in a different business and everyone's in a different um field where trans i, I mean you transport is is one of the fundamentals so you you're gonna you're gonna have to examine now how everybody um there's been a lot of absorption where the increased cost of living has gone up by the by the business community i should say and is it going to be one more thing that is just going to be um you know, absorbed. I, I, I'm not in totally sure. I also think that aside from that, you're looking at rates and utilities. So that's WASA, water and, and light bill. And, and you're going to have to ask yourself, um, you know, what's disposable income and what's, it's, it's our question really too of the cost of living. And like I said, people are still working on salaries that have not public servants in particular still working on salaries that have not seen an increase and in, i think about seven years or eight years or nine years or whatever it is and they're going to be wanting to examine or what this means to them i think a lot of people are making lifestyle adjustments and and that's perfectly fine um i i also think too that that it's just a question of how as a, a nation how we are setting our trajectory from a from an administration level what are the big projects to take us forward what's the direction i think we're hearing from the prime minister later today to get an update on his meeting with these energy companies so i think a big swath of the population is looking forward to that how is property tax going to fa factor into all of this because that's an additional cost that's going to come on businesses when it's implemented 
100%. it's gonna happen for, for homeowners and everyone so richard mm-hmm. so you know it's uh, when they're gonna say homeowners it's going it's going to be um um well at least according to the minister finance residential up to a certain level and and you know there'll be certain concessions to those who well, have more difficulty I, I, and more challenges but certainly the business sector which ha- can have huge property stock that has to be a concern because it's going to be an additional cost uh, and you know richard I, I think you could answer that question yourself that if i'm passing on an additional expense to you what do you mm-hmm. do yeah what do you do you know the reality is that it's going to be it's not going to be absorbed it's going to be passed on and, and I, I i think that that everyone everyone's in the in the in business um to to, to really they, we all want to be responsible we all want to try to ensure that the prices are good but in the operating environment where all expenses in terms of overheads and um, taxes are to be collected. And I really hope that where the property tax comes into play, because, okay, let's just not look at this as an additional expense. And let's actually look at it that could bring some value back to the communities where the property tax is collected. I, I, I drive the nation's road, and in some cases, they're very abysmal. So I really hope to see that the regional corporations now have monies in their pockets to go and fix some of these, these issues. I really hope that the, the property tax can redound to meaningful benefits. I think if you could show the nation that you're doing something with it, they wouldn't have a problem paying it because uh, at the end of the day, every citizen wants to see value for money. But that's kind mm-hmm. of like a utopian vision with regard to transparency. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> I mean, that, that, will, that will come way down the road. That's not going to reflect now. <laughs> because, you know, We've had we one thing that Trinidad and Tobago has had historically is an abundance of money, mm-hmm. and we have seen that that money has not necessarily been utilized well, 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 historically. Richard, if we if we have such an abundance of money, then why are we collecting this additional tax? So, uh, I've seen historically. Well, well, well you know, let me let me the, the that's point. That's a tax that was there before. Eh? Counter yeah. reason. Yeah, There's yeah, an election, yeah. your local government elections, so we may see some paving of roads and fixing of infrastructure in the I short term. I look forward. Um, my, my van if, if only forward. because of the election. Yeah, uh, and, and you know, okay, so so yeah, uh, so it's something that I've listened to a lot of chamber heads. This, um, I, I listen, I listen to Vivek Charan and, and a few of them talk about the implications for property tax. So it's something that, guys, I mean, let's see how it actually rolls out because we're looking at the Trinidad Tobago Revenue Authority coming on stream, and that in itself is going to pose some teething issues. And we're going to have to examine what this basket of goodies looks like on the on the evening of the 26th of September. Hmm. Why they interfere with what was there before, I don't know. Hmm. I, I mean, Wendell, it's hmm. it's something that, again, this global situation and, and I, I mean, we keep talking about it as a global situation ad nauseum. It's really put us in a light where the fragility of our circumstances, we're looking now, imagine we got out of things like rice production, sugar production, and, and now 20, 25 years later, we're saying to each other, I think we need to get back into that. Well, we got out of that because we had oil, so we thought oil and gas was the next They were also a drain on the economy, yeah? Let's, let's not well, a drain on the economy didn't mean they couldn't fix them. Yeah, you know, uh, Rajiv, what what are your thoughts on? Uh, because we spoke about a lot of 
possible scenarios and and what will improve Trinidad and Tobago moving forward and the inflation rate. But the one of the recurring decimals in Trinidad and Tobago is the ease of doing business. He spoke about value chain yeah, oh and yeah. production levels. And these seem to be recurring decimals without a lot of progress on them. People want to invest, but they are serious tummy blocks. I was really heartened to see. I think yeah. it's is it Glenn Ramnoran is his name? Um I know this who, not who invested in that range of uh pre-packaged Kalaloo and Dal and stuff I, like that. And is working Glenn, with the Guyanese authorities on ramping up production and product lines. I think you're thinking about Glenn Ramdani of Glenn Nuvo. Ramdani, yes. Yeah, yeah. that's the name. And, and he's Nouveau Technologies on yes. Nouveau Yes. And and they, they have a they have a pretty cool product in that they are taking the um like the Kalaloo bush mm-hmm. and the pumpkin. And they, what they're doing is they're freeze drying the greens and you're getting it in these small powdery packets. And all you're doing is adding hot water to this thing and you're getting back a, a slurry. It's it, it's like a slurry where you get back your pumpkin, you get back your choker. You get but, but we your... need to see more of that, don't we? In yeah, terms but, of the value chain. Remember I talk about big investments, seed capital. That is very cutting edge tech. I, I, I want to say that it took a, a sizable amount of investment to get there and and, and 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 that's why when i talk about farming i'm talking about farming from an a, a, a first a first world perspective and a high investment profile because if you're going to get let, let's just talk about the yield per acre um and, and traditional farming you know you're going to get x amount per acre depending on what you're planting but with vertical farming and with different aspects of the automated smart farming you could get so much more per acre um, depending on, on on the technologies in play, so um, I, I think that's what Novo has done, I, I, and they're they're also going to be in that foreign exchange earning bracket now, because they're not just going to push out to the Caribbean; they're going to push out to America, Europe, and people who really in love with the um, the Trinidadian flavors. They, they're going to be pushing for this, so I I think it's been a, a great project um, from that perspective. Do you expect to see any headway being made with those issues that have plagued local producers and manufacturers um, for decades? And we keep talking about them. They're like regular talking points now in these types of conversations. Yeah. <laughs> We're not I, seeing I mean, a lot of let's, progress. Let's go back to Pradia Larsini and, and land grabbing. I have mm-hmm. many, many stories recently, guys, in the dailies that, that really tug at my heartstrings, especially when we see that you could go and bully a family and tell them, because I want to quarry down the road that I now come and you need to get off your land and, and I can't go and find reprieve at the authorities. So if I'm a, a young farmer now saying to myself, I, I, and I read in that story, I'm going to be like, nah, boy, I don't want to get into farming because it, it's tough. And, and, and these are the stories that I say to you because they, I, I hear young people come and tell me this, that they don't want to get Or they would come and tell you, I hear you have a, a pretty last near robbery problem. Pay me some money and, and you, it will stop. <laughs> well, that's the, uh, that, that's the other aspect of it, the corruption. So yeah. it's, and, and all of this goes back into what you were talking about with the ease of doing business. Because it's these kinds of things that we need to get right, especially when you're looking to get foreign direct investment up when you want more investment. And when we get them right, though, we're talking about them, talking about them, talking about them, talking about them. People talk about capital flight, but I was talking the other day with some of the guys in my own sector, and we were talking about the workforce. 
and a lot of a lot of them have expressed to me a real concern about the brain drain in the country right now because you don't just need people from a labor intensive point of view you need people with the mental aspect side of it too who have a certain ability and the people who are graduating university and thing now and especially in the ones what we used to call the noble professions you talk about doctor lawyer accountant engineer like i say used to be yeah and, and the truth is they they come the, the same graduate graduates come into me and say we can't get a contract we can't get a work we can't get a job and 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 they leave any country well i don't know what cso information is available but there's a suggestion by in a newspaper article recently that the population actually dipped a bit because of population because of flight intellectual flight well, we, just... I, we could tell you from the business community that that the labor the pool of labor has been um we 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 are very worried especially when we had this two year gap that the pandemic created for the generations that were home and we, and we now see that those 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 um kids will need a, a leg up we'll need a hand up and, and and we'll have to do our best um but we're also wondering where the workforce is going to come from i i read an article in yesterday's garden which was the headline that if i could go and buy a handgun for 500 why can i work for a minimum wage at the end of the day in grocery well i had an even more frightening story that i could share with you all that there are artists from other jurisdictions coming into Trinidad and Tobago to shoot videos because of the availability of guns here. Wow. And they want guns in the videos. Well, I, I, I think that's, I think... Isn't that frightening? A very, extremely. And, I, I and, mean, and the videos have appeared in, the, the guns have appeared in three videos shot in Trinidad and Tobago for artists not resident in Trinidad and Tobago. I mean, we see we see what happened with Kalonji at the bricks and the young lady and and and, that, and and I mean, God rest her soul, she's a young lady, twenty five years old, and that was heartbreaking. And and I think that we have a culture in this country that we really need to we we I, and it goes back to it's this is not a government problem by any means. That this is a community problem because everyone needs to be doing their best at the level of families to really steer youth in the right direction because the issue with youth is something that is a national issue and it's something that's that we need to consider if we have the right solution in schools if we have the right policies um from family and and, and we need to deal with the gang culture definitely well gang is a new a new type of family unfortunately steering kids in the wrong direction and when we say the word family we often misunderstand that not all families are the same so not all families will raise their children the same way and that's the source of the problem and, and the inequity in society sometimes drives what we're seeing as manifestation of crime i think you had the nail on your head there too because it's the inequity in society and not just the inequity it's a value system at the end of the day you, you need to have these things in place you have kids they're going to emulate what they see their parents and their brothers and their sisters doing and yes there's yes we need to create opportunities from the government and from the business sector um but they, they, they i i don't think that trinidad and tobago is short on opportunities i think it's short on the appetite of what people are willing to work for because i i mean i'm always i i all a lot of our stores in our in our sector always have signs of vacancy we hire in but nobody applying they're just putting out there too you're right because it's a value system you see me working for that eight hours a day on my foot when i seen my partner who i grew up with driving a, a bmw yeah um, and you don't know where you get any money, but we can't know where you get any money. 
I, I, I could take a drive by many of these malls and you'll see a lot of signs up outside stores. We hire in, we look in first for somebody, but they, they what maybe what they, they pay in is not good for good enough for me. So I now need to go and look for fast money. But fast money leads to a fast life and fast life will uh, value system disparity. Some of them don't mind living a fast life and dying young. Rajiv, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate your time and as usually your contribution. Hey, co-host, yeah, have a great day. Trinidad and Tobago, have a great day. Take care. All right. Thank you, co-host. All the best to you. Have a great one. All right. Uh, let's get into our news brief, all powered by Champlain Auto Services. Thank you for choosing Power Water 2 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.